Welcome to another episode of the Digital Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Clark Wilcox. Today, I'm joined by Keely Flood. He is the founder of The Honest Salesperson, uh, which he founded this year. He is a four-time President's Club winner in the staffing industry, uh, earning both awards in SaaS and staffing. He worked at MedEx, ADP, among other companies, generated over $7 million in revenue over the past eight years. He is now a sales coach to recruiters and recruiting agencies, um, advises and consulting businesses on creating a sales system to drive more revenue and get more clients. So, Keely, thanks for being here. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me, Clark. Awesome. Well, we start, there's a lot to talk about, and it's going to be kind of funny because people are like, wait, Clark, you help recruiters. Keely, you also help recruiters with sales. And like, you know, what's, is this like Highlander? There can only be one. Why are you guys talking? So um, I'm excited kind of for people to hear kind of, you know, how we got introduced. I think why we think it, you know, I think it makes sense to kind of spread the good word, right, about coaching and sales recruiting. But we got to start with how'd you get started in recruiting? Yeah, I think like a lot of people, I just stumbled across the industry before yeah. I actually even got into it back in 2015. I'd been coaching college football for five years now at that point. And so me and my wife we were living in Minnesota at the time. We wanted to get back to the Chicagoland area where we're both from. And honestly, I was wondering what skills do I have that translate to the corporate world? had a couple friends that were in the, the sales uh, world. And when I stumbled across the staffing and recruiting and found out that there was people that were paid to recruit people for jobs. So I was like, well, hey, I recruited student athletes to come play division three and division two football. I'm going to use that skill and sell it in an interview. And from that point forward, I just really only focused on recruitment firms and ended up ended up over at Medics to start in 2015. Awesome. I actually started as a recruiter, too, for the first like nine, 10 months before moving into sales into our scientific industry as well. If it was anything like Aerotech, the commission was about double for sales versus recruiting. So if you're it like was, me, I was like, I'm yeah. going there. I'm going to sales as quickly as yep. I can. Yeah, I did. I said in my interview, I want to be in sales and they yeah. told me, uh, no, everyone starts as a recruiter and you're just going to have to work your way into sales. And I said, OK, that's fine. But yeah. I could tell that the uh, commission and everything just seemed better for the salespeople. Yeah. It was just more of my style to be client out there in the, you know, out there client facing versus in the office is where we were as recruiters all day. Yeah, it's yeah. there's something about it. I remember like I even. I think that's why I kind of ended up being a good recruiter, probably you too, because I was just like, get me on the phones as quickly as possible. How do I make a placement as quickly as possible? How do I make more so I could get that sales interview and be considered? It's almost like what drove me to be uh, like, you know, halfway decent at recruiting. I'm sure probably, probably kind of the same for you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I certainly struggled to start, right? The first six months were brutal in terms of everything that goes wrong in your recruiting career went wrong for me, whether it was uh, failed background checks, candidates pulling out, people that accepted offers and then not showing up to work their first day. It was it was rough. Like I honestly, I still remember it about the six month mark being sat down with my boss at the time and him asking me, you know, how are you doing? And I remember saying, I, I don't think I'm gonna make it. Like I'm, I'm putting in all this effort. I'm doing what I'm told to be doing and I'm just not seeing the results. And he told me in that meeting, he said, I'll be honest, you've had the worst start I've ever seen in the, you know, at that point, I think you've been there for four years uh, at, at this company and not in like a bad way, not in like a mean way. It was just, you just had a lot of bad breaks. And I promise if you continue doing what you're doing, things will turn around. And, and he was right because the next three to four months, like really took off to the point where 
I did get that sales interview like you were talking about that I was shooting for. And had I stuck in the recruiting chair for the rest of the year, I could have hit President's Club that way. But I decided to just go back to zero and start all over again because why not, right? That's what a sane person would do. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I'm with you. I did the same thing. For me, in the interviews in March, I was like, ah, I could hit it. But, like, ah, you know, I said, like, why Why not just take the riskier move, the riskier decision? So, uh, yeah, there, there is something about it. Uh, the what was what were the industries that you focused on? Like, did you have like yeah. industries or verticals that you focused on when you were recruiting? At yeah, Max? so recruiting yeah. it was the recruiting side was in the healthcare space, so the rev okay. cycle specifically, and then we started to do some allied, some medical assistants and some nurses. I was clueless on the allied side. I like jumped in because there's some big projects and tried to just get my spread up. So I was like, look, if there's opportunity, I'm going to try to recruit on it. But my primary focus was the rev cycle, you know, billers, collectors, and then moving into sales to add on to the fact that I started over at zero. They actually approached me and asked if I wanted to shift over into our scientific division because there's an opening there. And they said, you could stay and recruit a few more months as healthcare and you'll get promoted like you're doing all the right things. Or you could make the change now and move to our scientific division and took the weekend to think about it. I kind of knew at the breakfast I was going to do it but came in on Monday and was like, yeah, I'll do it and moved on over. And then a few days later, like, okay, you got a year to turn this thing around because it's an underperforming division. If you and the other two sales reps can't, we'll consider shutting down the Chicago scientific division. So I remember, I remember I went over to myself like, man, did I make a mistake agreeing to this? But it was honestly the best experience and probably one of the best decisions I've made other than probably marrying my wife, because it taught me how to build the territory from scratch because it was literally, I mean, we had no clients. We were an underperforming division and fast forward from that 2016 to the end of 2018, we were the top uh, revenue generating division in the Chicagoland office and the top scientific division across the country. So it was a huge learning opportunity to say the least. That's amazing. What what were some of the kind of the, the like what was kind of your game plan going into that first year with the tour territory? Right, it's blank. Right, there's nothing. Like what was kind of step one? Step one was figuring out what a lot of the terms meant because I had no clue even what QA or QC meant when I moved over and hearing a lot of the scientific terms thrown at me by microbiology managers, chemistry managers, directors, everything. I've, I mean, I was lost to say the least. And the first six months I felt like I was, what I thought was doing the correct way. I found it was wrong in terms of like how I was selling. And I tell the story a lot was, and I still remember because it, it was just such a pivotal moment. I went on a meeting at a company called Now Foods here in Chicago with the microbiology manager. My VP, his name is Dan Dumroff, came with me. And before he walked in the meeting, he sat me down. He said, look, you're just going to sit there and not say anything. You can introduce yourself, but you're going to watch me run the show so you can learn a little bit better. And we go in there. And up until this point, I've been trying to like be smart in my meetings, like know what the terms mean, like really converse with them, understand what a microbiologist does in and out, back and forth, all that. And Dan doesn't talk anything about it. We get out of the meeting, and I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, we you know, we didn't impress him with this. We weren't, we didn't sound super smart. Like, wh- why did we do this? And he sat me down again. He said, look, like, they're not coming to you to be as smart as them about what they do. They're coming to you to be as about smarter about something they don't know, which in this case, you're an employment expert, and your job is to educate them on that. And by working together, the two of you can fix his problem. And that was just like a light bulb moment for me. And from that point forward, I changed completely how I sold where I wasn't trying to be the smartest person in the room. I admitted I didn't know things. I would ask for clarification. And then I would use some of the stuff Dan said too with the prospects and say, hey, look, like you're 
a chemistry manager. You're always going to be smarter than me at what you do. I'm an employment expert, but I'm going to ask the right questions and we're going to work together and we're going to get this problem solved and we'll fill this role for you. And that completely opened doors for me that weren't there for the first six months. It's potentially the biggest shift to make in sales besides just showing up and putting the effort sure. every day, right? <laughs> you yeah. have to do that. Uh, yeah. The first, but that's a whole other topic I know we'll get into, but it is just like, stop trying, like being a subject matter expertise doesn't mean that you're teaching the hiring managers about the role. It means like knowing enough, knowing enough to know what you don't know, but it's knowing enough to make the match. Because as you said, you're the employment expert. So you got to know enough to make the match. But I mean, there's people that come from their industry and try to recruit and they still struggle because they maybe don't understand that concept or they think they do know better. Right. And that's like, no one really likes that approach. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like the right question and just being heard and being listened to like, that's really, that's how you become an employment expert because right? you're, you're making the match at the end yeah. of the day and talking to all these people, they don't have time to talk to. So they just need to see that like you get it and you wouldn't know enough to like go out and not waste their time. Correct. Like, that's the big mental shift. And I'm with you. I was pitching, I had collateral and pitch decks and I tell people, oh, I have a pitch deck. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> like no one cares. Like yep. I, I'm not saying it to be mean, but they really don't. Like they just like, again, they care how you can help them or you going to listen. They got 20 agencies with pitch decks lined up and the bigger firms are always going to have a nicer looking collateral than you do most likely. But, but you, we kind of fell into recruiting. I still didn't know what any of the terms meant on the outside looking in. Right. And, yeah. Until like I did every day, they're the same way. Right. So stop approaching them. Like, Hey, we're the te stop teaching them about recruiting agencies and just learn about what they're doing and hiring. I mean, it makes, yeah, it's such a huge shift. It is. I mean, it really is. It's a huge unlock. It's hard to do, especially in your career, because you don't want to feel inferior or feel like you're dumb in front yeah. of somebody. And when you ask a question and you say, I don't know, it's op it opens you up to, to being you know, judged in a way. But the the people you're speaking with, they find that refreshing. Like I, yeah. I, you know, I have other stories too of like sitting down with the manager in Lisa's store. And I remember asking after that meeting with Dan, she was saying all these doc control terms. And I like had to stop her. I'm like, Lisa, I don't get this. Like, what do you mean? And that was like one of the <laughs> first times I finally like admitted, I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. And like, I still remember her looking at me. She's like, no shit. I don't expect you to know what I mean. Your job is to help me fill this role. This is what I do. And this is why I'm telling you this, but I want you to ask those questions. And it like that meeting plus her was just the two light bulbs that like helped change my sales trajectory because it was a struggle those first six months. I mean, it was a struggle for years, honestly. Like it wasn't an overnight success. It took almost a full, what, 27, 29 months to actually hit the first president's club. And it was, you know, the first six months, you're growing a couple grand in spread. The next six months, a couple more. The next six months, maybe it starts to tick up. And then like that, like 18 on month, it starts to really click. And now you've actually got a book of business that continues to bring in revenue. And you start seeing all the success from the prior 18 to 24 months of work that you put in. And like you said, just showing up and putting in the effort because that is half the battle. It's, it, it really is. And it is just a grind. And, you know, we were talking before that, you know, sometimes when I approach people, they come to me, I want to learn automation. I want to learn content and building a brand. I'm like, that's great. That can generate a ton of momentum. But if you aren't willing to go through the reps and get your butt kicked in a sense, and I, and like, learn the hard way. I, I don't care what automation, like what momentum you build digitally, like 
at the end of the day, it comes down to handling the conversations and the relationship in this exact way. Like, if you don't do this, like, you will not open the doors, you will not build the trust Mm -hmm. to really build and amplify your desk, right? To layer everything on. It's one of the biggest things I tell, like, new recruiters. I'm like, you know, we can work together for three, six months, but this might take you two years, right? And that's why I don't promise a revenue or immediate, you know, financial ROI. Like, this is a grind. It can be extremely worthwhile and extremely rewarding, and you will learn skills and the confidence about yourself. You didn't probably even think it was possible, but it takes time and it takes reps, right? And it's like it's always earned. It's always the rite of passage. I mean, multiple rites of passages in sales, yeah. especially in recruiting. Hundred percent. Like uh, I was speaking to someone recently too, much a lot about with like LinkedIn stuff. I think it was and. I was telling her that if I see someone advertising on LinkedIn that they can get me 50 clients in one week's time, I know that person's never sold in their life. Like, I just know right away. Like, there's just, they've never done it. There's no way what they're pitching is true. It's just snake oil, to be honest. And the same message you have, right? You, you got to tell them the truth. I mean, that's part of the reason where my company name came from was I was just like, I'm just telling people the honest truth about sales. It's yeah. really freaking hard. Like, yeah. it's not meant for everybody. You are going to want to quit your job. You're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to pick up the phone. Like, there's so many things you're not going to want to do. But like you said, if you can persevere, push through it, show up every day, it will be rewarding. And then you'll be able to do things that you didn't think were possible, you know, a short 18 months ago, which feels like eternity but when you look back on it it's not it's not that long considering the rewards you get at the end of that road absolutely and it's such a great perspective and really good for people listening to this to hear it's i think i've told you it was a mistake i made when i first started a digital recruiter i was so excited about the potential because i had the aerotech background and that training and just been through the trenches and i was like man these automation this content the brand i mean this is a cheat code and I kind of forgot that this isn't for everyone, that the actual mm. recruiting and sales recruiting isn't for everyone. And it's a big pivot I had to make really the beginning of this year. I'm like, I have to see if people are cut out for this world first before I show them the tools. And I have to have that conversation with them if I feel like it's warranted and it's needed, right? Like, hey, do you really think this is for you before you really want to get into it? Yeah, I'm committed. I'm committed to making work. Okay, great. Right? And that was, yeah. I kind of skipped that step because I, I just, I, I forgot, right? Kind of the excitement of some of the tools, the ability. So I love what you know what you do, and it does come down to the old school fundamentals. Now you got to like to make your life easier, amplify digitally, but you got to get those reps, right? And you, you got to have that that foundation. So um, yeah, what, two, what's the saying? Mike Tyson yeah. always says it's like everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Like yes. It's the same thing for for sales or anything really in that matter. Like it seems like it could be easy laid out on paper and then the first time you're told no or hung up on or whatever, right? Candidate backs out, all these a million things that can go wrong. It's those that can respond in a positive manner, the ones that make it and the ones that let that one moment turn into a bad day, week or month, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a harder time making it in this industry. Absolutely. I mean, that's where I think a community that's, I know it's what people love, like the digital recruiter community. And I'm sure you're, it sounds like you're building that out too. It's like, you can kind of trade those war stories a little yeah. bit. Like, oh, this happened yeah. to me or that happened. And like that cathartic, like it's so, it's so necessary. You know, I'm, we had that in the pit, right? I could go back and like, oh, this meeting went terribly. Or I walked into this client, they kicked me out or whatever, right? Like, they're like, you know, like, get out of here. Yeah, or you'd have like so, four people raising your hand. They're like, yeah, I had that happen too. And like, everyone yeah. else like, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't just me. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm not terrible at my job. This happens to everybody. I feel exactly. a little bit better about that. 
No, it's so important, man. It's so important. And, you know, I created this like after, you know, COVID hit, you did too. And I think some people have missed out on that, right? Of having yeah. that kind of in-person camaraderie. So whether you get it virtually or resume or a phone call or in person, it's, it's so important because if you're doing things isolated and solo, it's, it's a, I mean, this is a grind, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it's, if you don't have like those people that kind of get it right, like-minded to vent to, uh, this thing will wear you down, right? And it, it's a really big part of like, go after it, get the reps, but like have people that, you know, you can kind of, you know, literally or fact, metaphorically share a beer with, right? And kind of yeah. just share the stories afterward. Cause you got to be able to like, let go like a quarterback, right? Like throws an interception, you got to be able to get right back in the game. And that's a big part. It's just like that mentality. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, so. It always helps to have someone to like lean on a little bit. Like that's just a yeah. fact uh, of life. And like you said, the more shared common experiences you have, the easier it is because they get it and they can help you through it. Right. Hey, I've been there. I've had that happen. This is what I did. Like that goes a long way. Even if it's as simple as a, you know, a Slack chat message or something, it's, it can, it can really fix what felt like a really bad situation into something that wasn't that big of a deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where, I mean, where else do you see kind of recruiters struggle with the transition to sales, right? We've talked about kind of getting the door slammed shut. Like what, what else are some of the, the challenges? Yeah, I mean, definitely the rejection piece, right? Because I think if you're doing the split desk model and you're simply recruiting, you're still doing sales. In my opinion, it's still sales. It's inside sales, right? You're you're pitching opportunity. You're talking to candidates about what jobs are out there. The difference, though, between that and then someone in sales is boils down to, I always make a joke about it, but I still think it's true, is when a recruiter picks up the phone to call someone, more likely than not, they're happy they called them. They're, you know, there's job opportunity, they want to talk to them, they want to hear about it. If you're in sales and you pick up the phone, you know the person at the other end is not happy you called. Like, that is a yeah. fact. I've never had one person I cold called say, oh, thanks so much for your call. I really could use your help. That's No conversation has ever started that way. You can get there eventually through having an actual conversation where they admit they could use your help. But initially, it's going to be it's going to be tough, right? They're going to get a lot more rejection. There's going to be a lot more, um, you know, people hanging up meetings that you thought were good, go nowhere, stalled deals. Right. And that's those all in my mind. They're all rejection. It's all the same type of feeling where you feel like I put in this effort. I'm not seeing the results. And then also to tie in with that is not having a consistent plan to get to wherever you want to go whether that is presence club, whether that is hitting a quarter contest, whether that is just simply getting your first new client, I think it can be a struggle for people transitioning into sales to have that plan and stick to it too, because there's so many shiny object syndrome things going on nowadays. So many things you could be doing, new tools, this, that, like once you come up with a plan, you got to actually put it to work and see if it actually works. You can't constantly change in streams midway along the path because you're just setting yourself back. And I think those are two of the biggest struggles for people that move into a full-on business development sales role that they maybe didn't experience as much in recruiting. Because I also think the other part with recruiting too is you could be on one order one week and then another order next week and then another next week. Like three different orders, three new things. You're learning things. It's exciting. It's fun. With sales, you've got like a territory plan. You have these accounts you're going after and you get told no by somebody. Guess what? You're going to have to reach out to them again eventually. And you yeah. have to keep going back over and over again. And sometimes that can it can kind of be boring, honestly. Like there's times where it's like it is boring, but the fundamentals and the success are, are they're hidden in the boring details. And doing things like that and having that plan and going back and constantly executing it, that, 
that's hard, quite frankly. It's something, again, I certainly struggled with early on in my career. And even to this day, sometimes I, I mean, I'm guilty of being, oh, cool, let's check this tool out. Like, look at this. Like, it's like, no, that wasn't my plan for today. Let's notate this. And I'll use time that I had allotted to look into those things. But right now I need to do X, Y, and Z because that's what I said I would be doing today or this week or this quarter. Yeah, it, it's, I love that you just brought up that it can be boring at times. There's, there's two things to the original point it recruiter, you know, recruiters calling a candidate for a free service is a lot different than a salesperson calling like, Hey, like you want to give me $20,000 for a place? For, right? <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, just, it's, a, it's, it's just a different tone, right? The inside outside sales. So I completely agree with you there. And then, but to talk about boring, that's not mentioned enough. It is true. Like it is really easy to get distracted. I found myself in this situation last week. I was like, Oh man, I got to get, you know, after this, I got to come up with, you know, some, like there's some proposals I got to write and I actually have to like, you know, think it through and get it out there. And like, I just don't like doing that stuff. I'm a talker. I like being on these things. I like writing content, right. Working with the clients, but I'm like, all right, I got to buckle down and just do it for half a day. And then sure enough, like I followed up with people, got back in touch, right. Like, you know, landed, you know, a client, everything else. I'm like, oh, I just, you just got to do sometimes it's boring, but it's mm-hmm. like you you just got to get through it and you just got to stay persistent with it. And it could take three, five, 10, 15 times, right? Sometimes yeah. with new clients, but even with current clients or people you worked with before, right? Because it's just so much of it is timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just kind of like ways in the ocean, right? Just like staying after it over and over again is so, so important. Uh, did yeah, you do anything? To, yeah. you know, did you do anything to like liven it up or spark or how do you like keep it maybe not boring or entertaining or it's got to kind of like challenge yourself yeah when you're in the seat and maybe now with people you work with yeah that's a good question i think i think part of it will come down to you know your own personal why like why do you why are you doing what you're doing because if you don't have a firm answer to that the other things like you know plan persistence um patience all those things it's hard to go through this if you don't know what you're you're doing and why you're doing excuse me why you're doing what you're doing because you got to find ways to to motivate yourself through the boring stuff and i guess early on in my career it was certainly uh external motivation i looked at like leaderboards i wanted to see who is the top reps in whatever division the office itself who you know what were the records that were set whether it was new accounts brought in per quarter per year and use those as benchmarks to go after and motivate myself to get there. And then as time kind of went on, it became more more intrinsically motivated. It was around some of the things I wanted outside of work from a financial freedom perspective, what I wanted for my, you know, my wife, now my family. We're up to you know, I start when I started recruiting, I had zero kids. I'm up to four now. So you talk about motivation right there. Just every time a new a new child's born, added motivation uh, right yeah. there off the bat but it became more intrinsically motivated. And in terms of like having fun, which is I think a great point, because you gotta have fun. It's celebrating the small wins because the big wins are not gonna happen all that often, right? And they also are fleeting because the big wins, whether you sign a new client, like you, you get that fun for a day, maybe a week, and then it's back to the boring stuff where you have to like qualify the recs with them. You have to follow up with candidates. You gotta make sure things are going well. Like some of the stuff that isn't as fun, but the smaller wins, those can come up quite often. I'm not saying it's every day, because there are some days that are just rough. It's hard to find any small win in there. But there are some days where you get off a cold call, you didn't set a meeting, but you learned a ton, right? That That's a win. That's something to celebrate, to find out that yeah. like they have 10 
they've, they've used agency. They have 10 contractors there. They're going through a growth phase. Um, you find out what maybe that person's problems are, but it, it applies to other departments. You can use that information, right? Those are small wins that need to be celebrated and it makes the job fun because if you don't, the big ones, like I said, they're few and far in between and they're fleeting too. So you gotta, you gotta enjoy the small things in order to, to get through the times that are a little bit rougher. Absolutely. You got to get a bunch of first downs to get some touchdowns. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's not always going to be a 75 yard bomb like every single time. Although I tried to do that playing Madden growing up, but you know, you, you learn quickly, right? It's got to be just the first down, like move the chains, move the chains. And like, it's such a key thing. It's really missed by a lot of recruiters, especially going into sales, like those small wins. And I love what you said, like just gathering that intel, like, when you find out a company you didn't know anything about that they use agencies and like in the department that you're in or they have contractors or they have roles or they're in a growth stage, like that's a win, right? If you have your top 20, 30 account list and half of them maybe you don't know anything about, that's a huge win yeah. to celebrate. And like that's, it's not just going to be like, hey, I have someone that, you know, responded to my outreach and they want to talk and they got, you know, 10 reps for me. Sometimes you got to just do a little bit of digging. It's so important to just a know that that is a win, and then be appreciated when when it happens. I mean, it's it's a great point. Yeah, great it point. is. It it's a, the the industry itself too is naturally unforgiving, because the moment yeah. you fill a role, it's what's the next role? What's the next role? I mean, one of my bosses, like, he was he was always saying that. Okay, you great job, you filled it. Like he's like that's what you say. I, when, when are you gonna get the next one? And yeah. I I like. I get that mindset and I still think it's a good one to have, but if you get too far into that, you do, you will miss the small wins like you're just talking about and you won't, you won't enjoy it. You'll see your days more as failures because you didn't get a, a rack, right? You didn't get 10 orders. You didn't fill it. Like those are, those are all the results of all the small wins you got along the way. So let's Absolutely. spend more time enjoying those and celebrating those. So that way we want to continue to push forward, which leads to big wins. Yeah. And, and, and avoids burnout. Right. I mean, that's a yeah. classic case of yeah. burnout. So which you hear all too often, right? And it could be not appreciating the, the little wins. It could be having a manager that's like, All right, you know, you're hired, here's a phone, make three hundred calls a day. You're just like <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay, like another one of these. Um maybe we could talk about that for a second. Like, what do you think is kind of the best approach? Because you know, there's cold call, there's email, there's walking into you know, companies in person, there's you know, some automation tools. What are you finding as kind of like the best blend, right? For say a salesperson at an agency right now? Yeah, I mean, you can't rely on one channel. Let's just start with that because it's so easy to ignore if it's email or if it's phone, you know, whether it's just phone call, you gotta come at it from a multi-channel approach and you gotta create a plan and how you're gonna do that too. Because, you know, your question of like, what's, what's working? I mean, what's working is putting together a plan like having a sequence built out from step one to step whatever, right? It's dependent on who you're selling to, but on average, it takes now eight touches before you can get a meeting with a prospect. So if you're going to create a sequence, you better at least start. Your sequence better not be less than eight. Let's just start there right off the bat. And I think it's important to mix in your LinkedIn, your phone calls, your emails, and then also going old school. Like I'm a big proponent now that a handwritten card can go an extremely long way because people don't get like mail as much, right? They're getting tons of emails, but yeah. we all, when we get mail, we all do the same thing. We all open it. Like if I get an email and I see a subject I don't like, I delete it like almost immediately. I barely spend time yeah. on it. 
But if I get a handwritten card, I'm opening it, I'm reading the thing, I'm looking it over. Like, I'm remembering. I mean, I have handwritten cards hanging up over there from people that have been given to me over the years. And it still, like, brings an emotional response to it. And so I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer that some old school techniques of sending handwritten cards, being creative with some sort of outreach, like creating an experience, a, a buyer experience can go a long way. But it needs to be, again, part of your multi-channel approach. Yeah, and it needs to go to, and I think recruiters ask, well, who, right? Or salespeople will ask, well, who do I do? Well, come up with the top 20 and 30, get the intel, find out who a really good target is, and then do handwritten notes to them. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. that's how you, that's like, right? I mean, that's how you do the sequential order. You know, it's not just a bunch of random people. Like, it's just like, it's like a step in, in the process, right? As you're trying to trying to open the door. Uh, no, I think it's I a great point. You, you need to have hyper-focus yeah. with some of these, like, some of these outreaches because the fact that it is time consuming. I mean, yes, you can send, I can, yeah, I mean, I can send off a thousand emails right now by hitting send, right? But to take to, to a handwritten card can, I mean, I have terrible handwriting, so it takes me even longer than most probably because I have to really go. focus on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have to, like, I have to really like write that thing out and it takes a few minutes, right? And then you got to put an envelope, you got to send it off. Like, if you really think about it, it's taking five to seven minutes to send out one of those. And like you said, you have to have a focus on who you're sending it to so that way you're hopefully if you've done enough account research you're getting the greatest roi for your your time because for salespeople, you know especially that's one and i mean recruiters too really and humankind actually time's our greatest asset and so when we're wasting yeah. it on bad accounts or things that don't work or spreading ourselves too thin it has a negative roi but if you're doing it the right way and spending it on the high value activities at the right accounts your time to your ROI exponentially increases. And that's what we're all looking for. Absolutely. And that's why I tell people with LinkedIn, if you haven't done anything with LinkedIn and your market's on there, we'll start fishing there. Yeah. Right. Like, and then work your way down. But LinkedIn is really a filtering system. If you build an ecosystem, you filter out maybe your top kind of, I don't know, a thousand targets from there. And then from there, you got to do work to get to your top 100, your top 50, your top 20, right? The work doesn't end. But at least it's a starting point, right? And it's a channel that's easy to optimize with a profile, some good messaging, some outreach, right? You could spend an hour or two on your LinkedIn a week and have a few posts, have a few hundred new connections, and really constantly be building that kind of bigger lake. And then you're gathering the fishing net. And then from the, you know, if it's like, a, you know, the 50, 100 fish that are in there, then you're sifting through, okay, who are the 20 people I need to write cards to this yep. week? That, you know, that makes sense. Like, just like thinking about it sequentially in those terms, you get that system down and then it kind of becomes boring, but not really because the time will go like, I think nowadays almost like it's less boring. Like if I had done this stuff like at Aerotech, I mean, I'd always be doing something. I feel like it's a full week mm -hmm. and you're able to build an abundant pipeline and it's a quality pipeline with the digital tools, with the old school tactics. I mean, there's almost no excuse not to have a full pipeline right now. And I know it's a tough market, but it's just, as you said, with a plan and just being intentional, it's still happening. There's still thousands of wrecks out there, right? Yeah, I mean, like, people are still just, buying. Like, yeah, I mean, last year was a you know booming year for U.S. staffing. It was over 220 billion, and they projected this year be a little bit of downturn. I think it was somewhere around six percent. It'll be interesting to see where the numbers finish at the end of the year. And I'm, yeah, I'm no math expert, but that's still over, I think, 200 or close to 200 billion in business out there. You can't find a little bit here and there like it's it's out right. there and to your point about linkedin 
I same thing. I wish I'd used it more uh, regularly back you know, years ago because LinkedIn to me and your posts, your content, they're all just digital salespeople. Uh, you know, they're digital representation of yourself and they sell for you when you're not there because you don't know when your prospects are going to jump on to LinkedIn, but it could be today. It could be over the weekend, but they see that and they see what you're saying and it might resonate with them. They check out your profile, right? Like there's, there's things that happen that you don't need to do yourself actively that occur on LinkedIn, which is, I think one of the best parts about it is some of the, the reach you can have and clone yourself in a way to reach a larger audience. Absolutely. And it's evergreen, right? If you have a post or a podcast like this, it just sits there and it works for you. And as you said, it's not always just you. I think some people take pride and like, well, I'm doing everything myself. I'm secret. I'm away from everything. I'm like a secret recruiter spy agent. I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> sure. Like, go ahead. But like, why not? Right? Like, if you can leverage this and it can make your life easier, you're already doing, if you're doing a great job doing it like the really hard way, like if you incorporate a little bit of this, like, you might be able to like spend more time with like your family or leverage more or make even more placements in the same amount of time. Right. And it's like sometimes like there is all that like pride in terms of like, (laughs) you know, like sourcing. I do things that no one else can see or do with like a secret headhunter. You know, that's all right. But, you know, kind of just being like that, having that open minded approach, I think it's it's also key in sales. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for efficiency. So I respect people like you're describing. Great. Kudos to you. But if you're telling me there's an opportunity to like duplicate myself and become more efficient and offload some tasks or at least enhance some things. I'm going to, I'm going to explore it. I think, I think the top performers do, they're constantly looking for ways to, to improve, become more efficient and again, use their most valuable asset time to the best of their ability without sacrificing. Right. I think that's a great point too. Like except four kids, a wife, like I, I got a dog, like my dog's sleeping behind me. Like there's things I want to do outside of my, my, my work, right. My work isn't my entire life. It's just part of it. And I want to be able to spend more time doing other things than, like you said, the old school way. Like, who knows, right? Like picking up a phone book and calling it, right? I was told that. Like, that was like back in the day. We picked up phone books and, like, we pasted resumes together. Like, that's awesome. We've gotten more efficient, right? Like, why do we, like, that's nothing to brag about anymore. Honestly, at this point, like, we should never bring that up again. That is, no one should ever do that because it is such a bad ROI on your time considering what you could be doing and the tools out there that could make you better. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like in a, a remote job. Be like, so you got your own computer? Like, well, I have a typewriter. Uh, well, that's, that's not going to help. It's not going to work at this company. Right. Uh, so, like, we, we kind of need to, up, you know, we can kind of get up the times with, with some things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, that's good. Uh, okay. I want to talk about difference because I think this, I hear this with owners that are like, oh, I'm going to bring in this salesperson from this industry and that industry. You came from SaaS, you ended in recruiting. What are some of the big differences that you see with SaaS and sales recruiting? Yeah, it's a, one of my favorite questions. Cause like, you know, I, I left medics, when I left medics, I wanted to go into SaaS to kind of take on a new challenge, prove to myself, whatever it was. Right. And, um, I even actually, to be honest, part of the reason I wanted to do it was a little chip on my shoulder was during my time at medic Salesforce had recruited me. Everyone gets recruited by Salesforce at some point, the big, bad brand out there. And I remember interviewing and the guy, I didn't get the job. And the guy's like, ah, you know, SaaS is just more complex. Staffing's easy selling. Like this is harder. We're not going to move forward with you. 
I were even pissed. I'm like, you have no idea how hard it is to sell in this yeah. industry and how complex it can be. Like to the outsider, it's, oh, you just get people to use you to hire. It's like, okay, sure. Salesforce, you just get people to use your program. Like that's like, that's the most simplistic way. That's, that's just not, yeah. it's closed minded. Right. So I went though, and I did the SaaS thing. And what was one of the major differences was that there is no relationship building with your prospects. Like that was a huge eye-opening thing for me because we signed the first client we signed, like they hit the pen to paper, shook hands, turned them over to implementation. That was it. Like never talked to them again. Wasn't my problem. I was back out finding a new client, hunting for new people and doing the same thing with everyone else I signed. There wasn't this, oh, like, we're going to use you again, or these people, like, I mean, there's people that I consider friends that were at one point clients of mine that like, I'm on text base with this now. And that just didn't happen in the SaaS world. And also there was a lot less, um, at least in my experience, there's a lot less team, uh, team unity, like teamwork. You know, when you're working for a company, you've got the sales team, you've got recruiters, you've got the candidates, you've got the hiring manager. We're all, we're all working to the same common goal, which is to fill the role and then also fix the problem for the hiring manager, make the can's life better. Recruiters, they're helping you out, right? There was that aspect. In SaaS, it was much more siloed. Like I was in what we called the major market space. I was only selling the payroll solution. And if there's other add-ons, I would just turn it off to another sales rep and they would, you know, they would just run it with themselves. I'd basically be cut out at that point. And I wasn't I guess I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I, I miss the relationships that I developed and worked so hard to get. Because one, I, I like the people I was working with, like my managers. And secondly, like who doesn't love to build up a book of business that continue can be that can be repeatable? It's not every year the same client's gonna hire the same amount of roles, but you're a trusted advisor to them. And when yeah. the time does come that they might have an opening, they're gonna come to you and see if you can help them out. And like that was such a rewarding feeling for me. And again, something that just wasn't in the, the SaaS world. I you know, it makes a ton of sense. I think there is like a, that, that's probably the biggest thing that I see, right? So it's people versus like an actual physical product or like a software that you kind of see and subscribe to, right? It's just, there's so many factors and that's what makes it so challenging, but as you said, it's so rewarding when it's done right, right? Yeah. Or like when you're in the trenches and trying to figure, figure it out because it is challenging and there is that kind of closed mind of, oh, it's hiring, like how easy could it be? I just need to put a job posting, right? Or we see some owners on LinkedIn, like, oh, I could just do a LinkedIn search and do what you do. And, and every recruiter kind of rolls their eyes, like, okay, like, sure. Uh, you know, because there is like, it's, it's, it's like simple, yet extremely difficult. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it's, it's just hard to get right. And it's a constant game, you know, we want to say it like a, oh, a whack-a-mole, right? In, <laughs> in a sense. So, uh, and, and it's for certain types of personality, right? If your personality kind of lends itself more to that, then I think it's a great fit. Right. But if you got more like being kind of a little bit on your own and less like collaboration, like, yeah, SaaS probably is something to pursue. Right. I think it's just important and probably helpful for people listen to kind of know the difference. Yeah. Too, or be able to articulate like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes more sense why I'm drawn to this side versus the other. Yeah. I agree. And I didn't know that about myself until I went and I did it. Right. Because you know, I was a, I was a hunter. You got, I mean, every salesperson recruiting, you're a hunter to start with the goal. Of building up enough business that you're almost like an account manager because you have to manage so many accounts and deal with like yeah. you said the whack-a-mole type approach while still continuously hunting but once i shifted into a full 100 percent hunting the shake hands be done with you thing i realized that i missed some of the account management piece where i continued to be a go-to resource for people continue to like go out to lunch with them continue to like learn about them right like 
There's some people I knew like when their cruises were, I knew about their kids. I knew about their favorite drink, right? Like those are things I never got into in the SaaS world. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just realized of myself, I enjoyed some of that aspects of my job and being in this industry. Definitely lean into your strengths. You know, that's a big part of all, all this and whatever approach that you have, right? Whether it's picking the industry, it's picking your niche or, you know, how do you, you know, approach prospects and hiring managers, right? Just lean, lean into your strengths. Yeah. So speaking of which, it kind of goes in my next question. Now you pivot into sales coaching, right? You start the honest salesperson in the spring of this year. What prompted that move? Yeah. So for me, I mean, it's something I've been wanting to do for a few years now at this point, and it was kind of, kind of twofold why I did it. I think, you know, as we started this off, right, my background was in college football coaching. Like coaching is part of what I've always enjoyed. Once I got in the corporate world, I couldn't go, I can't like coach at a high school. Like I want to eventually, but the time constraints weren't there, right? Like I couldn't tell my boss, like I got to cut out work at three o'clock today. I got to go coach a high school practice. Like that just wasn't in the cards. And so as my career got better and I started to get better at my job, what I found some of the most joy was helping those that were a few steps behind me, right? They were a year into their sales career. They were trying to get to hit whatever contests or whatever they want goals wise and being able to give back and coach them up with some of the experiences I went through and share that with them and try to try to help them get to where they want to go. And I also just realized that there's so many recruitment firms out there that lack a sales system. Right. They just kind of wing it like, yeah, you know, like uh, there's the friends and family stage. They kind of grow a little bit past there and they've just kind of just sprayed and prayed, basically. And I've realized that they they need help, too. They need to have something put into place that you can repeatedly do over and over again with the goal of driving revenue and bringing in new clients. So those two things kind of combined to lead me to launch the company that I'm doing today and doing what I'm doing now, because. I do have that passion for coaching, like whether it is the individual sales rep that's saying like, I'm struggling, I'm not getting the support I need within my organization for whatever reason, right? I'm not going to knock the organization they're working for, but it has been really hard these last couple of years going remote too. Imagine if you were hired in 2021 as a fresh new grad, which a lot of recruiting firms do as a primary hiring strategy and being virtual for most of it. And then going back in the office and your boss has like a million other things. They don't get a ton of time to spend with you. Like, there's people that need that help. And then there's the people that are running their business that need the answers and they need the help to get to the next revenue goal they have. And so that's kind of, I know that's what spawned me to do what I'm doing now. And I've been loving it. I love it. I love it. It's a great story. And I, I'm with you just the, it's so rewarding to help people kind of a few steps behind kind of move their way up, you know, three of my recruiters that I hired at Aerotech all got promoted and they're still there. And it's just really cool to see and, you know, them building families and, you know, hitting contests and everything else. I'm like, that, that's awesome. Like, it's fun to kind of having a, a hand in that because you're right. It's a lot of people don't get that or they maybe don't get a manager that invests in them or like mm. COVID happens and they didn't really get that experience. And it's so critical. And you and I both have talked about like, I think how appreciative we are that we got that type of training and that that really that hands-on support because it's it's so invaluable and there is just something i don't like a tick that like you have i have it's just like we got to like pass that on yeah in a sense and i think there's such a need for it and i I talked about in the beginning that's why i love that like it was cool when i I came across you 
I saw you like liking and commenting. I'm like, who, who is this guy? Right. And I was just like, all right, nice. Like someone else that sees the problem because it's a huge problem to tackle. And we both love this industry. And there's so many recruiters. Like it's, it's just, it's just really cool. Right. To kind of you see, you know, you put yourself kind of out there and try to attack this problem. And I know you've had some great successes already with, with clients and it just, it's so needed. It's just like we get stunned with companies that don't take their hiring process seriously. <laughs> I'm stunned in recruiting when they don't, people don't take their sales process seriously. Right. Uh, so it's just, it's like kind of stunning. It's like, well, you're kind of forgetting, like you're kind of, you know, you got to kind of patch to what you preach in a sense too, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how that works. Yeah. No, it is. And like, like you said though, it is, it is rewarding to play a very small part. Like that's how I always look at it. Like being a coach, right? You're, job is not to be in the spotlight your job is to be in the opposite is not to be right and i can't yeah. remember the coach that had the quote maybe bo shembeckler but he got to a podium i think it was some after game and they like lost or something his basically his message was like if the, if we win it's their you know they were the result of it my players if we lose it's my fault and like that's that's the job of a coach is when things go well you shouldn't be like you shouldn't be around like they should people shouldn't even know you're really there right it the spot yeah. should be on the person putting in the effort and you played a very small role and like those that enjoy coaching they take a ton of pride and joy knowing it themselves so like, we don't go around saying like hey here's what i did for this person congratulate me it's like no i i get joy just seeing someone do well and knowing yeah. I played a small part in it. And if things don't go well, then it's on me for like not, then, then I have to look at myself and think, what could I have done better to help this person out? And that's what separates those that like care and are good at what, you know, what we're doing and those that are in it for not as good reason, let's just say. Eh, I, yes, absolutely. I, I mean, you mentioned before we started recording, like, oh, I'm making iterations to, to my offer. I'm like, dude, two years in, I'm still making iterations, <laughs> right? Because like the, the fulfillment, everything, because like, all right, I've learned here. How do I implement this here? So people from the beginning, you know, it's a little bit smoother. It's clear in communication. Like, it's, I mean, Christina, my you know, our operations director, like, I drive her nuts because like I always <laughs> want to like, we got to add this. We got to do this. We got to like make this better here and like constantly tweaking it, trying to make it clear, right, for yeah. people so they get there quicker it's that's I don't I I, I can tell you that's when you know you're kind of made for it because you're just like I don't know I'm just obsessed with that process and I know you are too it's like okay, how do we make it better and clear and there's so many different types of people right that yeah. we're coaching and you know they they see things and I'm fascinated to see how people interpret things yeah too and kind of like even on one on one I'm like wait you thought I meant that or I said that right so it's it's a constant kind of evolution. Right, yeah. you're, you're always learning, which is uh, to me is really fun. Sounds like that that's a fun part for um, for you as well. I mean, it's an absolute blast, right? Because like yeah. you said, you see how people learn, and like the iterations and why you know why we try to make what we do better. It's not like I'm not doing it. I'm sure you're not doing this. I'm not doing this to be like, okay, how can I add? How can I add like an additional uh, cost to this? It's like, no, I want to make my product better for the next person, or my coaching service, whatever it is, right? I want to make it better for the next person that uses it. And then that person is going to teach me something. I'm going to make it better for the next person with the goal of it continually improving and getting better and impacting those people's lives positively for the better, right? Like medics, you know, medic, one of medics is really big about core values. And I'm reminded because of what I just said there, their main value was positively impacting lives. And I loved it. I thought that mission was awesome. And you said it earlier too, when we were talking was, you know, this industry does bring about the ability to impact people's lives beyond a software system, right? You can literally change the course of someone's life 
do playing a part in what we do where you can help find someone find that job or help that manager fill a tough role like there's just so many things that are rewarding that yeah. people don't realize unless you're in it and get to experience it and get those calls get those emails i know it's a little bit off on the tangent of iterating products but i think it's an important point because it is it is part i think it even goes back to like hey how do you still have fun with the job it's that like reminding myself that I played a small part in helping change people's lives for the better, whether it's what I'm doing now or when I was, you know, selling or when I was recruiting, it doesn't matter. Still played a part. I'm I'm with you. And I think, I don't know about you, but for me, I knew nothing. Like in college, (laughs) right out of college, working in college football, I had no idea what it took to make it corporate or how to figure out how to actually make any money. And it just took the right people at the right time. Like how we put together my resume, put it up on a job board, right? Aerotech and like that training and like, all these things I had no idea. People didn't kind of step in. It just helped me out yeah. at the right time, at the right moments, over and over and over again. It's just like, well, I love giving people those light bulb moments that I got from me because I know ultimately it's led to the life I have now, which I'm extremely grateful and blessed for. It's like that was like a huge opportunity. I was like, oh, I could do that for other people. Like, I don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer, but like, I could do that, and that's had a pretty big value in my life. Right, so it's yeah. like way, you know, way to kind of pass that forward. Uh, so, Keila, we'll go, we'll go to a fun one. What's the craziest story you have from recruiting? Um, so probably, I mean, two. One, let's go one good, one bad. Right, crazy in a positive way. Uh, when it came to, I was recruiting. I was probably seven, eight months in, and I ended up placing this woman. Her name's Kim. I say last name, but placed her as a data entry specialist at a company here. Uh, is out in Lombard actually, and. A week later, I got an email from her saying like, hey, thank you so much. I'm loving my job. Had I not gotten this job, I would have been evicted from my apartment. And like Ooh. that, like that, like was such a smack to the face in like a good way, because it really showed how little I knew what was going on about her personally outside of life, outside of her work life. Not that I would expect her to tell me that during an interview, but also it was a smack to the face in the the role I can play to help people out. And that like, you you stop looking at people as like, I need to fill roles or whatever. It's like, I need to help people's lives and help them out any way I can. That was one. Another crazy one was we had a guy, he was a quality engineer. He was flying in from like New York to come interview a client with us here. And he gets, he calls us, he'd stayed overnight at a hotel. He calls us, he gets an accident on 290, major highway here. He's like, hey, I got an accident. I'm running late this interview and i was like hey i will come pick you up i'm in the city working at the time like i will come get you i'll drive you out there are you okay obviously first and foremost he's fine okay no worries i can get there okay obviously i'm not gonna like push it he's probably a little bit stressed but fine fast forward an hour and a half later the client reaches out again hey so and so hasn't shown up yet do you know where they are and i had called him prior saying hey you got an accident he's still gonna make it and so i call him again i don't hear anything from him i hear anything for days I had to call him from like a separate number a week later to finally get on the phone. I'm like, Hey, what happened? Like, I, I thought you were seriously hurt. Like I like was going to start calling hospitals. Like I was concerned. Like, yeah. I was just so fresh. I decided not to go. And like, it was like, it was mind blowing to me. Like, here's this seasoned professional 15 plus years, this great paying job. And he just decides, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm mad. I got in this car accident, which now at this point, I wonder if it was even true. And I'm just not going to go to the interview. And I couldn't believe it. I was so frustrated that he did that, you know, what I thought to me and to the client as well. Those are two, I mean, those are great stories because they, I mean, they play off well with each other. Of, like you had this lady, like Kim, who's 
really struggling, but just has the composure to knock out the interview, land the job, right? Isn't complaining or anything like that. And you have a professional that seems to be doing fine, right? Maybe looking to make a shift, you know, a job shift or whatever, but like they melt and they break down. It's just like mentality has just so much to do with this, just this industry, right? Getting a job, hiring, being an agency recruiter, right? Just working on those things so you can be resilient, right? And just like, be not afraid to communicate about like what's actually going on. And a lot of times it'll be okay. Like things can get figured out if you're just upfront and direct and you know, honest, right? no pun intended, <laughs> right. but, but the communication, right? And as you said, share what you need to share to kind of progress forward. And sometimes you don't need to make mountains out of molehills. hundred percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are two very opposite stories, but both still stick with me, you know, five, yeah. six, seven years later at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what would you change, you know, if you could change one thing about the staffing industry, what would that be? Um, I would definitely, I would want more support for people that come into this industry. Like I still see a need for not, you know, we talked about like having a good sales system process, also just support for young professionals because it is a lot of organizations methodologies, this churn and burn approach. They bring in 15, 20 new hires to start the summer. By the time the summer ends, they're at half that maybe. And by the time they get to the year mark, I mean, you're down to like five people that made it. And granted, yeah. it's a hard industry. It's not for everybody. I understand that. But there's also some things we, you know, we, the company recruiting industry as a whole, can do better to set people up to be successful long term. And I hate, I always hated seeing people, not even those people that get burned out after year, but the ones that are at like the two, three year mark that are like this close to getting over the hump. Those are the ones that like sting the most. The ones that like, yeah, I'm sure you had it there at Tech. I know I saw it plenty of times. I'm like, that person's good. They're good at their job. They've just had some things go wrong their way. And they just need to get over this hump. And I know they're going to get to where things become easier, where life is more fun, where you do have clients, you have rec, you have bigger W-2s, commission checks, and they don't stick it out for whatever reason. So I'd love it if like the industry put more time into their employees to get them over those you know, key milestones so they can live the life that we've, you know, we've got to enjoy ourselves. Yeah. I, I, I was one of those. I was about three years into sales and that's when I left. Uh, because I was just, I didn't want the little, ter- I saw, you know, different things and kind of learned about entrepreneur. I just wanted to do my own thing. Getting paid last drove me nuts. <laughs> But I was just like, this is a, you know, big accounts fall off or I try to win big accounts, but then the people that are managing those, like the regional directors, right, we can't close them because of pricing or whatever else. And I was just like, you know what, screw this, like, <laughs> you know, world-class MPS score and like client relationship and everything else, we don't have a recruiter get promoted and all that. Like, you know, I was just like, I'm going to go figure this out elsewhere. And I have a little bit of that, like kind of chip on my shoulder. I was like, that was like really frustrating. And I think that is personally what drives me. So I'm. I'm with you. I think that that focus and just that understanding, like it can be a grind. You know, number one, I want to put people in work that they can get way more bang for their buck, right? They can yeah. get way more out of the commissions and everything else. That's why I like the focus on the smaller firms. I think there's bigger opportunity to get more out of your efforts, right, day to day. And then just some of the systems that can kind of help mitigate some of the inevitable stuff that's maybe not going to go in your favor, right? right? Like what happened your first six months and, and everything else. Um, I'm with you. I think just some of that intentional strategy, some of that patience, right? And that guidance, like, yep, you just kind of got to keep, keep at it. It's, it's huge, right? You yeah. definitely need more of that. 
Yeah, the patience piece too. Like sometimes, unfortunately, people are just looked at as numbers and numbers yeah. and metrics and that's it. And they don't take account in other things. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work out. And I think if, you know, companies in the industry as a whole put more time into people, it would, you'd see a better ROI for a variety of reasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll do the, the, the last question before we kind of wrap up. There's 25,000 plus staffing firms in the U.S. Only about 250 of them cross 100 million revenue. Why do you think that is? Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that are in that friends and family stage is what I'm calling it now, where they grew their network because they were, you know, maybe they were former HR manager. Maybe they were a quality engineer. Like they know their industry well, and they have built networks to support, uh, you know, a good living. Like there's nothing wrong with bringing in a million, two million in revenue for a small, smaller firm. But as you continue to climb the ranks or the revenue growth, you need to have a repeatable sales system and processes in place to one, track your performance, and then two, iterate, like we've talked about multiple times, to get better, yeah. to get to that level of 100 million. And not everyone wants to get there, I get that. But there are those that are like stuck in that 30 to 50 space, 50 to 70 space that just can't seem to get over that hurdle. I think a lot of it has to do with inconsistent messaging, no clear sales system, no structure, no processes, and a lot of people all doing their own thing and not, they're not all rowing the boat in the same direction. I think that's the perfect line, right? How to row the boat in the same direction, be aligned, right? Kind of helping each other, knowing what the roadblocks are, having a plan, like staying it with it consistently, and just trusting the veterans and the veterans being able to give that to the, the people that are newer, right? And just right, and, and kind of being having that team mindset, which is hard, right? Sometimes yeah. split desk and commission and revenue, it can be easy to kind of, hey, I got to get mine. Um, yeah, and I think that's, so it's got to come from the owners in a sense, right? You got to be able to incentivize that camaraderie, that teamwork, right? And make sure everyone, you know, everyone's eating good. Yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be I win, it's a we win type approach. And yeah. if you do have that, you, you then inevitably have people rowing in the same direction and you get to go where you want to go and not just get there, you get there faster too, because you're yeah. not going off Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well, if, so for anyone listening, you know, if you're, if, you know, Kelly's approach, everything is resonating with you, you know, and you're struggling to bring in new clients and you're maybe new to the sales recruiting role, or even better, just kind of get need, they'll get lined up on like your traditional like sales methods, right? Like frameworks, handling, you know, building a territory, how to be persistent, right? How to kind of get over the humps, you know, he, he's the guy to, to, to reach out to. Uh, for sure, I think you'll be seeing probably more of, of me and Keeley tag teaming stuff, you know, in the future because um, there's there's a there's a big problem to tackle. So yeah, uh, Kelly, Kelly, where's the where's the best place to find you? Uh, yeah. Definitely LinkedIn. I mean, I post yeah. basically every day, and yeah. you know, my DMs are always open. Um, always open to a call too. Like I love getting that calls and just just talking to people. Like you said, right? Like the what'd you say? You know, yesterday or whatever was the boring stuff. Like. I don't like yeah. doing the boring stuff either. Like I yeah. got to do a proposal that I'm like dreading doing cause it's, it's tedious. It's boring. So like yeah. having human interaction, getting on calls and talking through things is the best part of like my job, probably what we both do. And so LinkedIn is yeah. where you're going to find me almost every day on there. Make it happen. Awesome. We'll reach out to, to Keelan LinkedIn, the bio and the info contact info will be on the episode page here. Keely, thank you so much for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was a ton of, ton of fun. 
Awesome. Well, hey, that'll do it for this episode of Digital Recruiter Podcast. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, rate five stars, all that good stuff that helps our little podcast grow and, and get it to more recruiters. So until next time, happy hunting. <laughs>